Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen and Pat McLean, thanks for joining us. I'm glad you are here with us as we talk about financial matters. Both myself and my co-host here, we are both financial planners, financial advisors, certified financial planner, chartered financial consultant. We spend our weekdays meeting with people like yourself, helping them plan their future, and we are on the broadcast on the weekends, uh, either podcast or terrestrial, to be your financial advisors on the air. Glad you are with us. Yeah, so thanks for uh, tuning in. Uh, we take calls and answer people's questions about their money. And if you'd like to join the show, it's 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-999-6784. And we're going to jump right to the calls since John has been holding a yes. little bit. John, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Scott and Pat, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, um, thank you. So, uh would would like your opinion on uh, some ways to use some cash that we have. Um, and, and I think, you know, specifically we're thinking in terms of using it towards real estate, whether buy, whether to buy a primary residence or uh, investing it. Into, where, where did the cash uh, come from? From where savings. did it come? Yeah. Savings. And how much is it? Uh, 500,000. Okay. And how long did it take you to save this 500,000? I mean, you've had a couple banner years um, at work, or I mean, yeah. um... no, no, no. I mean, I, maybe to clarify. So, uh, current income are combined. So, uh, recently married last year, um, and uh, this that that is uh, both of our savings together. Okay. Um, and and our our income has gone up dramatically, but our lifestyle hasn't. I mean, I just I, I can tell you that current income probably about three hundred, maybe a little over that. Uh, two years ago, it was 170 combined. Yeah, I know. Um, lifestyle, ha- uh, lifestyle hasn't changed. So okay. uh, the difference between the 170 and 325, uh, we're, we're now maxing yeah, out okay. 401k. And the reason I... Before. Right. Yeah. Good. This good. It gets... Uh, and how old are you? Uh, I'm 57. My wife is 54. Okay. And we're, and, and we're renting. So, I mean, this... You know, okay, it, perfect. So, uh, we we married, married last year. Uh, we are renting... Uh, I have a duplex, or we have a duplex um, uh, that was purchased in '96. It's in Sacramento. Happens to be in a really nice neighborhood where there's uh, one to three million dollar properties surrounding it. Um, and uh, you know, one consideration is to put some of that money into that, make that a primary residence of some kind for either a long period of time or a part of you know. So, years ahead. so you 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 have a duplex and you rent out the, the two units. Is that right? That that is correct. Okay. And, and do so, you, yeah, right, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, so be quite. You know, this five hundred thousand dollars was slotted to buy a home when prices dipped in COVID. Wrong guess, right? That didn't yeah. happen. Oh, I so, don't think you missed I mean, it. That, that, don't miss what? I don't think he missed it. Right. I think that <laughs> there's going to be opportunity for cash buyers here in the next uh, uh, eighteen. 12 to 18 months. Probably so. I would agree with that. There's a high probability of it. Yes. Because prices don't go straight so, up forever. Yeah, and as interest rates rise, it drives so many people out of the marketplace. Um, yeah. So that's an alternative. And you said the other alternative is to move into the – you own both sides of the duplex, correct? Yeah, it, correct. And, you know, put some money into it, make it a, a nice livable space for a period of time. Yeah, do you want to live there, though? I think we, we, With your new bride? Uh, are you asking me or – uh, she can she can chime in. She's actually listening in. Okay. I, I think there's a there's a little bit of a question there. I, I it, you know nice neighborhood, but maybe not. It, so I, you make you know, fair question. Well, what, well, here's the bigger thing to me. Uh, you acquired the duplex, or she acquired the duplex prior to marriage. I it, it was a duplex I purchased in '96. Okay, so this is separate property. And so I'm going to bring up a subject that newlyweds don't typically want to talk about, 
but it's a It'll big be part of our trust conversation shortly. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. But if you move if you move into that and then all of a sudden resources from the combined couple start going into it and there isn't a clear delineation, right. uh, it could be blending of the mixed property and which is an attorney obviously you said it a trust attorney uh, is what you're addressing. So um, I like the idea of, you what know, do you, what do you have as far as other retirement savings, that sort of thing? So we have uh, about one nine and qualified one eight of that is uh, traditional hundred thousand in Roth. Um, we have about $200,000 in, in just a brokerage account. Uh, and then this cash and then uh, no debt. How, how, uh, how much longer do you plan on working? Uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll work for five or six. I, I love my job. I changed okay. it. Uh, I, I mean, I'll you're making, like, here's the, the, the reality and, and is I, you've got, you've, you've got a couple million bucks saved up plus the duplex that's rented out, providing some income. You've got great careers. You're making $300,000. Uh, I would only move into the duplex if I really wanted to move in the duplex. From a financial yeah. standpoint, you could afford not to move into that duplex. When was the last time you lived in a duplex? Well, I've never lived in a duplex. No, for for, <laughs> for John, for John, <laughs> or an apartment, hey, or a condo. Well, so so yeah, yeah. So I mean, what I would say is, you know, the uh, the consideration was to sink significant portion of money, and I mean, the the, the home values happen to be uh, yeah. support, you know, turning this into a, a primary residence with maybe a, an attached mother-in-law quarter. So that was the direction. Whether or not it is the direction we go or it makes any sense, uh, you know, is well, you mean, you mean getting rid of the duplex and using the footprint for a single family home? Uh, maybe going that far. Yes. Look, I don't look if it's in the right neighborhood and it's, you have, so the answer to the question is yes, yes. And yes, you, you, you got good savings. You make good income. You're not planning on retiring tomorrow. And, 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 Sure, buy a house or don't buy a house. I think that there's more opportunity for cash buyers in the future, although you probably won't be an all-cash buyer. You'll probably still have to take some sort of loan on it or at least liquidate part of the brokerage account if you wanted to get uh, all-cash. But if your goal was to die with as much money as possible, then move into one of those duplexes. Don't do any remodel. Don't replace the carpet. Don't replace the appliances. That will that that's yeah, your I'm path. Not doing any of that. I mean, that's, that's your not, that's your yeah, path. That's, that's your path to make sure you have as much money as possible the day you die. If you're if you on the other hand, if your goal is to use some of these these assets and income to give yourself a decent lifestyle, then those are different conversations. But you, you're you're okay either way. Okay. I think we have yeah. been of okay. little help to you. Um. I think that you have actually yeah. got it. I mean, figured I, out. I, I wouldn't go buy a three million dollar house. No, but but you could go buy a seven or eight hundred thousand dollar home and put a little bit of a mortgage on it. You could remodel the one you're in now. The thing that you did say was interesting is it's the one, you know, it's got one million to three million dollar houses. It sounds like it's surrounded hey, you by of tearing it down and rebuilding or it? or going yeah. underneath the same roof line. And you said that there's enough room to put a mother-in-law quarter in. I mean, it's uh, you know. I think that you've got tons of options available for you. And by and the way, financially you can swing anyone a hundred percent. And by the way, uh, getting to uh, a trust attorney to figure this out sooner rather than later is a great idea. Okay. Well, yeah. one of your uh, trusted advisors has given us a, uh, yeah. a recommendation. And, so boy, and I got to say, you're in good financial shape. Um, second marriage is typically at this stage in life when going through divorce, divorce is, are just nasty on finances. I know. And just, if we could learn something of it all from John, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich person as <laughs> it a poor one. Don't, we don't know whose assets those are. He's got the duplex. <laughs> That's what John and his spouse, we know that one of them or maybe both of them fell in love with a rich person. Okay, one of them. Or one of them both, or both. Well, then they, they were both rich to begin with. That's depending right. Depending on how you want to call it, I'm define just, rich. This was, a million dollars. Was I'm just telling you what my grandmother used to say to me when I was in high school. Patrick, it's just as easy to fall in love with a rich girl. Patrick is always what you That was one of her big pieces of wisdom. <laughs> that was grandma. Yeah, thanks, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Take that to the bank. Yeah. 
I'm married to a girl from Marin. I find out their family's renting a house. (laughs) (laughs) Quick side story. We'll go back. I met one of my wife in college. Um, We had a finance class together. Thought she was quite attractive. Well, that's good. We appreciate. I still find it quite attractive. <laughs> we appreciate um, that. So it was after class, and I'm I was chatting with her, and, and she was with some other friend. She was talking about her weekend. It was her birthday, and she um, mentions the limo and the wine tasting in Napa. Uh huh. And then I also she was also from Rent County. I learned she's from Rent families from Rent County. I'm thinking, Rent County, your family's they got a limo. <laughs> I think I think the family's still paying for the limo bill. <laughs> Is that right? You're like, I hit the jackpot. <laughs> Not so much. <laughs> but she's lo- I did hit the jackpot. She's a lovely lady. Okay. Uh, let's uh, <laughs> thank you. Let's continue on with calls here. Uh, we're talking with Sandy. Sandy, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi. How are you, gentlemen? This we're good. What how can we you, Sandy? Good. do for you, Sandy? Well, I have a question for you. Um, you often talk about the donor advised fund, setting one up. Uh, I am 70 and a half. And then I also know that there's a charitable remainder trust. Mm-hmm. And I talked to a friend who has a charitable remainder trust who uses that to fund her donor advised fund. And I became extremely confused at that point. And so I was hoping that you could kind of enlighten all of your listeners yeah. on the difference between the two and, and you know, give us some advice on yeah. on. And, and this person that, that set up the Charitable Remainder Trust, did they have a, either a large uh, equity position in a, a stock and or, or, property. A, or a property or a business? Uh, I'm sure for stock and maybe both. Okay. Yeah. So let's, and let's, younger than I am. Let's, so a Charitable Remainder Trust, um, they can work great in the right circumstance. And the right circumstance is really this. Number one you have an asset that is highly appreciated. So maybe you have some raw land that was worth 50 grand 10 years ago, and now it's worth $2 million, right? It would all, it's all capital gain. Or you've got a security that's all capital gain, right? So it, it can work well that first. Second, it works well if someone has a, a charitable intent. If somebody wants to try to figure out how to, how to really accelerate their giving, now, you take one of two of those things away, and they don't work at all. But essentially, what happens with the Charitable Remainder Trust, and there's some different flavors of them, different versions of them, uh, Charitable Unit Trust or whatever. It's, you, you take this asset, you gift it to a charity today, but you say, wait a minute, I'm going to gift it to you, but I don't want to quite complete that gift today. I want to have income. Typically, it's income for the rest of my life, and then whatever's left at that point then charity, you can have that property or that asset. So you give, up, you give up control of that entire asset today. You get, in exchange, an income stream, typically for the rest of your life, and then whatever's left, it goes to the charity. They're quite complex. Very expensive to, actually can be very expensive to put into place and administrate. Because you have to make We've sure got clients there's distributions. Set them up. I, I seriously considered one for myself. I just chose not to go that path. Donor advised funds, on the other hand, these are offered by a lot of the big uh, brokerage and custodial firms, uh, Charles Schwab, Merrill Lynch. I mean, all the big firms have these donor advised funds, Fidelity. They almost work like a, a private foundation. There's a little bit of differences, but... Essentially, you can contribute to a donor-advised fund. You get the tax deduction, just like if you're given to any other charity. And then um, from there, you can then you can either hold those assets for a period of time and decide to give them to a charity later, or you can direct your charitable giving through them. So I, I use one for my family. Pat, I know you do as well. I do. I, I've, I've contributed appreciated assets to those, and you get a, a tax deduction on the, the fair market value of that. And then you can... Spread out your giving over a number of years. You just have a lot of flexibility. You, you can bank your your charitable giving to them. So my wife and I typically don't uh, fund our donor advice fund every year, but we will fund it every three or four when years. When something makes sense. You have an ad, To make sense. So tell us – so by the way, we are not attorneys. So if you are an estate planning attorney and you're like, these guys did a terrible job of explaining the charitable remainder trust – 
Um, for the rest of the listeners, we're not practice law. We're we're not pra- we, we, we don't give legal advice. We just I think my explain the general concept. Fairly accurate, though. General concept. So tell us your situation. Do you have highly appreciated assets? Um, I do, and as I said, I'm 17 and a half, so I'll be looking at another you know, year and a half having to take my RMD, and I don't, at this point, I don't see that I'm going to need that to okay. live on. Now, and do you I have do anything have... outside of the IRA that's highly appreciated? Yes. What do you have? Other stocks and um, real estate. Do that you... my real estate's going to my children. Okay. That's what I was going to say. Dibs on that. Okay. All right. So you've got uh, children. That you want, and are you giving a lot of money to charity now? Is there some cause uh, that you care deeply about? That my you're... accountant said when we sat down over taxes, you need to set up a donor advice fund and give to your giving to there instead of just out of your checkbook. Okay. Well, that makes 100%. sense. How much money are you giving to uh, these charities a year? Just ballpark. Ten thousand. Okay. So it's easy. Just set up a donor advice fund and take your appreciated stock, the most highly appreciated stock and give it to the donor advice. Yeah. Fund. I mean, you've got a, you've got a window now between now and your required minimum distribution. Cause once the required minimum, how much do you have in your IRAs, 401ks, that sort of thing? Close to 2 million. Okay. Okay. So you can uh, use and part are you t- of, are you taking any income from that today? No. Okay. So, and what's your, what's your total family income right now? Around 200,000 a year. So, I'm gonna, so the donor advice fund is going to work best between now and the time you reach age 72 because the required minimum distribution, you have an option there to have some or all of your required minimum distribution go to just about any nonprofit with the exception of a donor advice fund. So if there's some local charity you'd like to support or whatever, you can have those dollars go directed there, um, but you can't do a... A donor advice fund. So the, you bypass. So when I start, when I right. reach 72 and I start giving from my uh, my RMD, then that just goes directly from A to B. And it's, that's, that's correct. exactly right. It doesn't even get on your tax return. And, and yeah. These are the kind of things you actually do need to run some numbers to see what makes most sense. But like, if your plan, these stocks you have, is to use them for charitable giving, you might want to consider giving quite a bit more than 10 grand to the donor advice fund. Now you've got let's say several years worth of worth of giving in that donor advice fund, lock in the value of the security today. Don't have to pay any taxes, get a tax deduction today that you can carry forward to future years. So we do. I was planning on doing it this year, but my understanding is that I had to wait until I was 70 and a half. No, no. that magic number. No, no, I'm 55. I can give like $50,000 into this or put it into the donor advice fund. From the required minimum distribution. And it's not 70 and a half anymore. It still might. No, because it has to do with your required minimum distribution. Yeah, Yeah. so it. um, Which is 72. So you're you're remembering partially right, but they've changed a lot of the rules. That's fair. So the the required minimum used to be uh, required minimum distribution used to be seventy and a half and it's now seventy two and there's talk of moving it up. I mean, there is. I, it, the older our politicians become, um, it, this seems like the more they move this uh, required minimum distribution. That's up. right. <laughs> and I do like the concept of bunching your giving like that because most Americans now are taking a standard deduction because the itemized deduction numbers. Um, uh, the standard deduction number is so high, if, but if you if you if you bunch up five years worth of giving, let's say, and some securities today, you, you get you get a, a write off for that. And what you want to do is your accountant or your financial advisor wants to identify what securities that you're giving. You want to give the ones with the most appreciation in it, and you can turn around and buy those same securities back in your account the day you give them away. Let me, Sandy. So your pl- your plan is to leave the real estate to your kids. Do you, yes. do you not want to leave the other assets to them? They will um, – they'll have their fair share. Would you – I mean, I guess – Where, where's the rest <laughs> so going to go? I'm not going to give – I won't put all of my IRA – you know, give all of it away, but I will certainly give some of it away, and there will – Yeah. There will be some. Okay. You know, for that and the grandkids and that, but – No, I think okay, it's – so Maybe it's, I you're, didn't you're, explain you're, that, that. I have one question for you. Yes, so, IRA. So – I know that the RMD starts at 72. That's correct. But my understanding was between now that I'm and 72, 
I can make a donation to the Donor Advice Fund, but I'm limited into the amount of money that I can give until I'm 72. No. You can, you can give as much as you want into a Donor Advice Fund. You're limited on how much of a tax deduction. It's, uh, 30, if it's a Donor Advice Fund, okay. it's 30% of, uh, of your adjusted gross income for any securities you give. 50, maybe it's 60% now of cash um, contributions. So, Go deep there, there Scott. <laughs> just trying to remember. <laughs> time. So you, you've got – there's some limits there, but – They're pretty high. Yeah. And what you don't use that one year rolls over to the next anyway. I think where I was going with this, Sandy, is I think it's an interesting opportunity to find yourself in. Um, You've got, sounds like, more assets than you plan on spending in your lifetime. You want to give some to your kids and grandkids, but you also want to do some with with charity. And, Pat, I'm just thinking of the clients that you have that um, they started out, you you helped them with the donor oh, advice yes, fund. Oh yes, like yes, 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 fifty yes. grand or something, and yeah, and now it's they. Uh, they just continue to give. They are it. It was life changing for them. They, they, they have plenty of money, and they don't. They don't live. But it really gave me. You told me the story. It really gave them a sense of purpose in oh, their retirement. Yeah, yes, yes, and we take a hundred percent of the required minimum distribution, go right to some charities that they became very involved in. But there was a plan around it. I mean, there was not. It wasn't haphazard. Um, how we go about doing the distributions and to where. So I've done that with a number of, uh, of clients. So it may make sense for you to sit down with an accountant, your accountant or another accountant and put together or a financial advisor and put together a, a maybe a charitable remainder trust may make sense for yeah, you. If you, if you're, if you're so that charitably inclined, you may want to take some of those highly appreciated assets and do it. Maybe, um, but her income's already high. It suddenly the income from it. That's right. So I, it, I probably wouldn't recommend a charitable remainder trust. You don't need the income from it. No, no, I, and I don't. I don't think that I will. I mean, I think I'm pretty set. I've always, my grandmother always made sure she had enough money to take care of her in her old age because her parents were in, were invalids, and uh, she saved and she was my role model. Got it. Got it. So you, you you reach out to someone that you trust and put together a giving plan, and they will. And by the way, the hardest thing about giving is actually giving. Um, you can put together the plan and, and some people are more charitably inclined than others. I, I can tell you, uh, I've been, I've known Scott Hansen for 30 years. He's one of the most charitably inclined people I've ever met. I am not as much charitably inclined. Well, for me, for me, it was just been, a, it was a discipline from the time my wife and I were first married but, and, and it's like, uh, just, it's yeah part of what it's. Just how we've organized but, our finances. But so we could talk about this theoretically, but in order to— <laughs> Whether but, it's always helpful or not is another Oh, that's a different story. But, but my point being is that, Diane, you—I'm uh, sorry, Sandy, you want to give away some money now, like twenty or thirty or $40,000, and see how it affects you emotionally. Because you said you've been giving away about $10,000 a year. And now you're talking about giving away hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so the next step is up that number. Like if you were sitting in my office right now, I'd say, okay, this is the most efficient way to give away money. Let's give away $25,000 well, this year. Well, the reality is we're all, all going to give away our money. You can't take it with you. But right? to so charity or family. That's right. Right? Or, the, or the, to taxes. Th- 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 that's right. But, but my point being is, you're asking about a charitable remainder trust when last year you gave away $10,000. And what I'm saying is there is a step between $10,000 and everything or most everything. The next step yeah, yeah, is yeah. give away twenty-five dollars or $30,000 and see how it affects you emotionally. You might love it. You might not. You might, you, you may, you may find it hard to stomach, right? We're all different. Uh, but you need to test yourself with that before you put time and energy into putting together some sophisticated giving plan where you don't know how it's going to affect you emotionally. Well, I've, I've, I've made a commitment. So I've gone through all the emotional things that you've talked about okay. because I thought about it for several months as to you know, what I wanted to do. I think this is an exciting journey for you. And how much? Yeah, I'm, yeah thank you. I'm, I'm excited. I I, you I should be excited. That I'm able to, I, you you know, should to feel this. blessed. I know. What a, what a, uh, it's a great way to look at your finances. If you've already made the dollar commitment, the next step is to actually put the most, the, the most efficient plan in place financially and what assets to actually move to them, mm-hmm. whatever that is. And it may actually be the real estate. I don't know. I don't know. You may have this stuff earmarked the real estate for your kids, but 
it may be that is the most efficient thing. Well, to, we do know the required minimum distributions are going to be. We know that that is and a year and that a half. is the most absolutely the most uh, efficient yeah, way to get rid of. Okay. Yeah. Appreciate the uh, the call. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much. Congrats. um, I love listening to your program. I listen to your podcast. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time and effort to explain in more detail something that you often talk about. Oh, well, appreciate that. that Other people appreciated that, too. Well, that's why we do that. Yeah. (laughs) Frankly, keep, keep going. It's great. Right. Thanks. I think we plan on keep going. We've been doing this 26 years uh, and um, almost 27 years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm. I guess we have no one. Well, Sandy is um, finds herself in an enviable situation, but it, it doesn't come Didn't without it? doesn't come without a cost. Uh, no, I can't. <laughs> Either get yeah, in there no. or giving it oh, away. Oh, that's right. It, uh, money is not easy to come by. It and it's just about all of us. And you've got to appropriately give it away. Yeah, we're taking a quick break. We'll be right back. This is All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of All Worth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. All right, welcome back to All Worth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen And Pat McClain. Uh, to join our program, I'd love to take your call, 833 833- 99 worth is our contact number. Numerically, it's 833-999-6784. And uh, we're just going to take some calls here. Let's talk with Diane. Diane, you're with All Worth Money Matters. Hi. How are you? We're great. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. I have a question that my husband and I have been going back and forth with, and I need to get some decision on what to do with some money. Okay. Do you need to know my background a little? Sure. Like, uh, how old we are, or how much yeah. money we have, and what's you know our parts, where yeah. Ross, and what we have. In you know the stuff. drill. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm 75. My husband's 74. We have a Roth that's worth about 20,000 between us. We have a Vanguard that's about 250,000, and it's in half, about half and half, half in stock and about half in uh, treasuries and bonds and so forth. They've got it in that we've been investing in. So we're sitting in a, oh, and my husband and I together make about 84,000 a year, and we have about 7,000 in income, and we spend probably about four of it with expenses and so forth. So we have 215577 in a money market account. We've been sitting there for over two years at .200. So my husband has been saying to me forever, what are we doing here? We're losing money. You know, inflation's eating it up, and, and uh, we got to do something with this. And blah, 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 blah. So anyway. All right, I do am. the imitation of your husband again. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Anyway, what would you guys do? Okay, do you owe anyone in the world any money? Mortgage. Have a new car paid for. We have a house that we just bought recently that's paid for, and that's it. So the challenge here, Diane, there is no such thing as a free lunch. So as soon as we move this out of the money market and into just about anything else, we are going to take on some degree of risk. And risk might just mean a fluctuating account value. But you're also at a point where your income is more than your expenses, excluding your portfolio, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you've still got quite a few years ahead of you. You have well, enough time. I'm not sure about that. Okay. My husband both of us have had cancer. I lost my both parents in their 60s, so I've outlived them a little. And my sister, when she was in her 50s, uh, we have a lot of background of unhealthy things going on. And so I don't know. I I figure if I make it another 10 years, I'm doing well. And are you supporting children in any way, shape, or form? No, but we have a son that we really would like to help him get a house or help him do something, even though he's working and he's got a pretty good How many job. kids? How many children do you have? Just one. Oh. Oh. All right. And he's 41. 
And so, and 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 he he tries. A hard worker. Not. I like the idea of helping him buy a house, do some sort of joint, uh, shared ownership. I mean, you could have it entitled in his name, but I would. You can kind of structure it in some way that if you need the money down the road, um, you can get it back. But. And, and so, it, 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 well, I just, I, I, I don't know your 41-year-old son, uh, married kids? Okay, no. He's single. He's in biochemistry, and he came up here to San Francisco. We all were enjoying ourselves in L.A., Southern California weather and all. And he got up here to a job that offered him a lot of money, well, pretty good money, about 150000 compared to what he was making. He was only making eighty at USC, and then he was only making 120 when he came up here to another biotech. So another one he just moved into about a few months and ago. And is he tra- does he want to buy a house? He would love to get a house, and he needs a car. And I said to him, well, when he- are you going to do this? And I, said, well, I, well, if it was me, I wouldn't buy my kid a car. No. Because it's depreciating. <laughs> but what you could do is let for some portion of these dollars, obviously not all of it, but let's say it was even a hundred thousand or hundred and fifty thousand, uh, have a little side agreement that you own let's say the house is a million I'm just throwing a number out. The house is a million dollars, you put in one fifty, you own fifteen percent of the home. He's responsible for all of the uh, maintenance and expenses and property taxes and everything else on it. Uh, and then as time goes by, you can always, um, if he can refinance out of it or if he trades or whatever happens, you own that. I like that idea. So, so here's what I would do. I take $50,000. I'd buy a one year treasury. I take the other 150 grand and I'd see if I could help my son out and I wouldn't give it to him. And I, but I, I would structure it just like I had suggested. That's right. And it's that's, a kind of a side agreement that, and um, it, it, you're, 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 Owning part of an equity position, which you makes perfect sense. I've done that before, and I've had good experience well, would with that. You do that then, instead of putting it back into the Vanguard. That's and right. Into the that's other right. stuff that's, that's there. That's correct. That's correct. If this, if yeah. if you want to help your son buy a house, you're in a financial position. You you could do so, um, and then you can participate in any equity appreciation. If and later you choose to just forgive it, then you can forgive yeah, it. Yeah, so I would take $50,000 and buy a one-year treasure in the other hundred and fifty, which is equivalent to a money market, and then the other hundred and fifty grand. Yeah. Um, and or, I'd leave fifteen. grand if you grand don't want to go that route, then I would simply add to some of the positions you've got. That's, That's right. right. Appreciate the call. Let's uh, continue on here. We're talking with Jeff in California. Jeff, you're with All Worth's Money Matters. Hey, thank you for having me on this afternoon. Yeah, I appreciate it. We're glad you're joining us. Um, basically, my question is, is like your previous callers, I think I'd like to accelerate paying off my house. Okay. And I have roughly about four years left on it. It's a real low interest rate. And I have enough. My cash has been kind of building up and sitting there in the account doing nothing, not yeah. earning anything. and. If I throw ten thousand of it in April towards the principal, it'll cut off about thirteen to fourteen months worth of payments, okay. and then it'll be. And my question is, I'll still have about seven thousand dollars in cash for like I'm on a high deductible health plan, and also my homeowner's insurance has high deductible, so I'm not draining my cash down because I always get nervous when I don't have yeah. any cash. Okay. You think that's a wise idea? Uh, I mean, so you have 17,000 in cash today. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't, are there any other sources of cash you can grab if there was some sort of emergency or something was going on or. Yeah, I could go to my brokerage account and probably carve off some of the fixed income. Okay. If worse came to worse. But I don't want to do that, and I don't want to go into the brokerage account and try to sell investments, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everything. And how, then, how, what, what do you have that you can grab? Just if there was some sort of emergency that, whatever, you couldn't work for. I mean, in worst case scenario, right now the brokerage account is sitting at about seventy-eight thousand, and then I have to be careful because I'm on the ACA program. And if you bring in too much income onto your taxes, you lose your advanced premium tax credit. So then you become on the hook for the whole your whole yearly premiums. You know. Oh, the ACA so is the health of, uh, health plan. 
Yeah, yeah, that's the only way I can stay in retirement right now. My health plan is on the bottom of the rung. It's like the bronze. And I think since I kept my income really low, I, I think advanced and, premium tax credits, like about 800 a month. So what, um, what's the interest rate on your mortgage? Super low, uh, 2.39. And so, t- so throwing 10, throwing 10 grand on it, it's going to save you in one year, 200, $239. That's the savings. Yeah. So what you need to ask yourself are you comfortable taking getting rid of ten grand out of your account and throwing it against the mortgage, you'll to save two hundred and thirty nine dollars over the next twelve months, uh, knowing that your cash reserves have depleted from seventeen to seven. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it the masses don't do it, <laughs> but like a lot of money things, it's always emotional. I always, I just want it done. I just want it out of my. Well, the face. math. Yeah, I mean, the math says. Do it. The statistical chance of of something happening, you needing more cash, is probably small, but yeah, you you, you might say it's kind of worth it to have it for essentially twenty dollars a month interest is what you're talking about. Yeah, five All bucks right. a week. That's yeah. And um, one last question: Do you think they're really going to means test Social Security people if you have enough oh, yeah. assets? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it. But the, the question our, is, we both believe that. The question is, we don't is, know. We don't not well, clairvoyant. Chris Christie, when he was running for president, said it should be on incomes over a hundred thousand. So well, there's been a number of uh, uh, senators who've said the same thing on both sides of the aisle. Yes, correct. So, but if you look at it, who who do they raise taxes on? Rich people. Why? Because they could pay the money. So if they're going to cut benefits. They're not going to take them away from poor people and take it away from yeah. rich people. And quite frankly, what do you, what do you think? Bernie, if Bernie Sanders were president today, what do you think? What are you doing Social Security? Oh, OK. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, come on. So, so, not very much a stretch. But, but, it, but there, uh, you, I could make an argument for and against it. I really could. I could make an argument why people over $200,000 a year shouldn't actually receive Social Security benefits. You want me to argue for it? Then I'll argue against why they should. The other side of the argument. I could make both sides of the argument. Yeah, money you contributed is supposed to be for your benefit. Right. Correct. But then, but that's not what my argument doesn't matter. It's what they're going to do. And it's going to happen. <laughs> that's what happens in the back rooms. It's going to happen. And then gets thrown in some obscure. Do you bill. ever think, Scott, do you think you're going to receive Social Security benefits? No. How old are you? I am 56. And you're planning on working for a long time. So your full retirement I... age is 67. Yes. By the time you get to 67, it, you think that there'll be some sort of means test that's not going to allow you to receive 10, it, 10 11 it, years. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Me. 11 years from now, we're going to, the Social Security Trust Fund is going to be bust. Yeah. 100%. I don't think I'd be, I don't either. I mean, if I do, great, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to bank on it. So anyway, I appreciate the call, Jeff. And back to the call still, Roy. You're with Allworth Money Matters. Well, hi, uh, Pat, Scott. Thank you for your show. Hi, Roy. Hi, you doing, sir? Good. Um, here's here's my question. Um, I'm 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 going to be 65 next next month, and uh, I, uh, I I my call is regarding Social Security. When should I start the Social Security income? Because the administration is pounding me with this Medicare A, B, and C, and yeah. whatever those things are. <laughs> okay. Um, and they and they are sending me bills, even though I wrote to them and I told them that I don't need it right now because my wife still works for a major, um, um, what do you call it, medical facility. Okay. Um, and and I don't need it, but they keep insisting on it. And uh, so uh, those are the two questions. And the, and when should I start taking? Uh, are you re- Social Are you retired? Uh, I'm somewhat retired. I do work a little bit. Uh, when you work a little bit, how much money do you make a year? Well, it can be uh, anywhere from uh, seventy to hundred. Okay, so so while you are Social Security eligible, you're not a uh, full retirement age. Your full retirement okay. age is probably closer to 67, right? 66 right. and eight so, months or something. So what happens is for any dollar that, that they pay you out, you would lose that on incomes yeah, over oh, like 20 grand or yeah, something. Yeah, some low number. Oh. So you're not going to, you're not going to, the only, the, the next time you're going to even think about this 
is when you uh-huh. quit working or start making less than twenty grand a year, or hits his full retirement age, or hits your full retirement. Sixty. That's called sixty-seven. How much money do you have saved for retirement? Well, you know, I don't have um, too much money in 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 my uh, you know um, uh, retirement IRAs and stuff. But I do own a, a lot of real estate, uh, not a lot, but, you know, I get like seven real estate properties. And then I also have, you know, my own home that I live in. And I have that that income also, you know, it can amount to about 160000 a year of gross income. So so this is so. The, so here's what the answer to the question is. So Wait, when you say gross income, do you have a lot of mortgage? Do you have mortgages on all those properties or no? Yeah, yeah. Some of them I do. Some of my some I don't. You know, so uh, my net would be, I think my net is around 6500 a month. Okay. You may or may not want to defer Social Security at full retirement age. If I were in your situation, as soon as I hit my full retirement age, I'd sign up for the benefits. Why, because what's you... Your, well, well, Roy, what's the ballpark net worth? Because the properties could be in Timbuktu... And worth nothing, or they could be on the coast of Hawaii. Like, well, you know, the, uh, the I think that uh, you know the the rentals are worth anywhere um, in this market about three uh, three three and a half million, and uh, the uh, primary home um, is about one point two million somewhere okay. around there. So that's four point seven, and how and that's that's gross or net of of debt. Um, that's uh, net. Okay, so four point so seven, so I, five. If I, I were it. in your situation, at age sixty-seven, being worth about five million dollars, I would sign up for Social Security. And the reason is, and and I'm going to agree with Scott. The reason is, and if I quit working today, I'd sign. And I knew it wasn't going to work before my. Uh, so, so what? What you worry about? There's lots of risk in Social Security, but what we view as a big risk is legislative. I mean, risk. there's lots of risk. Well, there's dying risk that early, you die early, early die, okay. die early, die late, right? But to the, your point, see, what's, what's happening is you're getting slapped with, because your income's high, they say your Medicare Part B premium is more than the average person. Precisely. Right? And some people can, some people are paying 100 bucks a month. Some people are paying, what, five, 600 bucks a month, the maximum amount. So what they're doing is they're taking it, they're essentially taking the Medicare benefits away in the form of having you pay more premium than most of your neighbors because your income's high because it's needs based. So why won't Mm. they do that? So they already do it to a level in social security. Some, if your income is extremely low, you pay no income tax. If your income's high, you pay, you pay tax on your benefits, most of your benefits. So, so the fear is that there's going to be legislation in the future that says, Hey, your income's too high or your net worth is too high. Here's a special tax. And if you don't believe that's happening this week, last week, the week before, there is always something in the news about taxing a billionaire or a hundred millionaire is the, the recent one. It started with, we're going to tax the billionaires. And then it said, well, we're going to tax the hundred millionaires. And the next thing you know what they're going to say is, we're going to tax the five millionaires. We're going to tax Roy the five millionaire. And that's why- well, well, I don't know. I mean, we're just speculating. Well, you here, tell but... me. Do you think but... taxes are going to go up? Do you think spending is going to go down? In in, in... Yeah, well, it's, it's, everything is going in the wrong direction, as far as I'm concerned. Okay, okay. Well, I don't. <laughs> so, <laughs> we would agree there. <laughs> so the point Not being, everything, is, but most lots of things. So, anyway. so the point being is, there will be a point in time. I know I'm 59 in my lifetime where incomes over a certain level. And if you they... were turning 67 today, you would take oh, it. Oh, in a minute. Yeah. If I quit my job. Uh, I'd take it at 62. Uh, if I were Roy and I quit my job, I'd take it That's as right. soon as I possible. But you're going to take it as soon as your full retirement age. There will be a point in time in my lifetime, hopefully in my lifetime, which means I live a long time, that they're going to actually start taking Social Security benefits it's away bad. from It's people. not that many years. It's We're in 2022 right now. The, the, it's going to be the Social Security Trust Fund is going to be out of money in what, 2030, 2032, depending. On, we're talking about a decade. Well, listen, Scott, I can make arguments. That's not very long. I think it's actually a good idea. What's a good idea? That they start so taking – it was, it was created as a safety net, and it kept growing and growing and growing and growing and growing. And then they said, okay, let's put 
children's benefits on this. And then let's put oh, I know. social security benefits. Things. And then next thing you know, they were like, let's change the age and let's change the widow. And it went and went and it grew from a safety And if you're at retirement age and you have a kid, let's give you benefits too. That's right. So, so what happened is it, it's a governmental program that, that became, you know, ran away. Well, we can change the government, I, I would hope. But the thing of it is, is <laughs> why would I, why, why would I change, why would I wait until sixty-six and a half or something? Oh, no, 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 you can't. You're going to lose the benefits because of your earned income. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So for every okay. dollar okay. you pay, you, you pay, you get from them. You're going to have to just turn around and give it back or because your income's too. For every two dollars, but get, he made yeah. seventy thousand, so he'd lose it all. Yeah, he'd lose it all. Yeah, that's the oh, only reason you wait for full retirement age. Otherwise, you have to give it all back. Otherwise, if you quit working right now, which we're not advocating no, you do. keep working. You're making good money. What about, does my Social Security benefit, I'm sorry, does my Social Security benefit, um, does it, uh, uh, is my wife's income affecting my benefit in any way, shape, or form? No. Okay. None. So it's independent from my wife. That's, that's right. correct. Okay. So you're good. You're good. Well, Just I, full retirement age. Yes, sir. Whatever I, that is. I don't know if it's 67 or 66 in it's, 10 months or whatever yeah, it is. I'd do the odd in that day if I were in your situation. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, great okay. job saving, by the way. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you, guys. I appreciate your time. Oh, okay. Yeah, Bye-bye. It. Thanks. You know, so here's a guy that did it. He did it in houses. It's just a different asset class. Yeah. That's all it is. And people so, like, oh, I wouldn't invest in the stock market. I only invest in rental properties. Eh, okay. Oh, good for you. People, I've talked to people who say, uh, "Yeah, I don't invest in rental properties. I only invest in the stock market." Yeah, right. Only well, some things are bad. Yeah, well, of course. <laughs> if you had everything, all I had to buy is gold. Yeah, would have been a bad move the last twenty years. Yeah. Anyway, and now we're talking with Michelle. Michelle, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Oh yes, hi Brad, hi Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Hi Michelle. Um. I have a few random questions, but before that, I want to tell you that I may be addicted to your radio show. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. Sometimes I listen to it. <laughs> okay. All right. Don't share that with Saturday, if I... Michelle, don't share that with Sorry. anyone else. It's not a good look on you. Um, so what can we do for you? What, what are your I'm questions? Yeah. Okay. So I work and I have some earned income, but um, I don't have enough left over to contribute to a Roth after paying the mortgage and taxes and everything. But I have a small brokerage account, so I was wondering if I can pull money from the brokerage account in order to make my Roth. Yes, that's a great idea. Absolutely. You have to make cash contributions, so you couldn't take, if you had some mutual fund or some stock in the brokerage account, you couldn't take that and then just suddenly transfer it in without... Uh, without selling it first, you've got to you'd have to sell some positions to come and, up with the cash. And how much money do you have in the brokerage account? Oh, not a lot. I only have about ten. Ten thousand. Yeah, good idea. It's a good idea. But I was wondering if I can just transfer the stock. But nope. Scott just said I have to sell them. Yep, yep. cash only. I have to sell. Yep, cash okay. only. So then we okay. need to. But so then, I, I was. But if you're going to own a stock in a brokerage account or that st same stock in a Roth IRA, I'd take the Roth IRA because it's tax-free. What do you mean? Well, if I, if I had $10,000 in some sort of stock or stocks and I had the ability to have, have that, those positions in a Roth, I could simply sell the stocks I've got in the brokerage account, transfer the money to a Roth, um, well, you got your limited, so you'd have to do it in a couple of calendar years. Transfer to the Roth, and then go and buy those same positions. If I really wanted those positions, so it makes sense. Okay. Okay. Great idea. The second question is, I okay, thank you. The second question is, I attended your social security seminar a, a week or two ago, and you were talking about provisional income for social security taxation. I was wondering if distributions from a Roth IRA are included in this provision? No, they're, no, 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 they're not. Not currently. No, but they're not. Yeah. Municipal bond income, which is normally tax-free, is included. But I wouldn't be surprised okay. if it was included at some point. That's in time. actually a great point. <laughs> That'd be something you easy for them to actually, slip Michelle, in there. That would, that's a great point. Why wouldn't they? But they're not. I know. They'll, they they, they to, will be. <laughs> maybe they should get... Don't you think they will be? Yeah. 
Yeah, they'll count but, at some point in time. Yeah, but no, but not as of now, it's not included yeah. in the provisional yeah. income. Thanks for calling, Michelle. I'm glad you're a fan wait, of the wait, show. Wait, wait, does she have any more questions? You have any I more? do have one last question. Okay, okay. <laughs> may I ask you my last question? Yes, you may. Sure, please, please, last please, please. Okay, when my son was in high school, they were teaching them some investing, and so he got hooked and so he opened a opened a robin hood account on my name and he started trading with his part-time job money but the account is on my name so i don't want to be paying taxes on his capital gains i don't mind taking the losses <laughs> but i okay. don't want to be paying income taxes on his gains how old is he how can we how he's twenty now. 20, oh, just yeah, just, 20 years just, old. just uh, transfer the account. Just transfer the account. So you can't structure so that any so, losses you can you take and any gains he takes is what doesn't work that way. Well, but 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 I like the idea. No. But no no just transfer the account. Joking. So have him open another Robinhood account and then ask him to transfer or it. Just tell, how much money's in the account? Oh, five thousand. Do you have any gain or loss in it? Oh, every year it's either a gain or a loss, but small amounts, but still it has to go on my tax return. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. either ask Robin Hood to retitle it in his name yep. or, or liquidate it and write him a check for yep. it. But you, you should most certainly get that out of your I name. I would agree with that. Most certainly. But they can transfer the positions to a different account. Uh, yeah, they, they should, should be able, able to. to. Yes, I don't know why they wouldn't, but they wouldn't. You they instruct, should be able to. Yeah, 100% they should. They should be able I'd to. I'd be amazed if they couldn't. Oh. I mean, you're saying. Most I, firms do. I own these securities. And I want to transfer these securities to um, anyone you want. You can transfer it to Pat if you'd like. You'd like her. such a big fan of the show. <laughs> okay. But <laughs> you, don't the need, Robin Hood account. you don't need to. I've never actually <laughs> seen my, my children's Robin Hood account. <laughs> Yeah, well. Two of my boys, I think, do have Robin Hood accounts. I don't think Robin Hood is exactly stealing from the rich and giving to the poor anyway. I actually think it's the other way around. Yeah, don't because, you? Because of the order flow. Yes. The thing, everything's free. Except something that happens back here in Sherwood Forest. And, oh, and by the way, we'd love for you to trade options here. I know. And there's this thing that happens in Sherwood Forest that no one can see. We're the rich. I wonder how much the founders gave of their IPO uh, <laughs> spoils. But right? it sounds what a great market. Sherwood Robin. Forest, where we support, we take from the rich and give it to the poor. Yeah. That's all the time we have today. It's been great being with you. This has been Allworth's Money Matters. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.